Hey everyone, thanks for coming back to another great podcast here. I'm joined today here with Owen Feeney. Owen has his, uh, is a certified athletic trainer in Ireland. He's currently in Wicklow practicing. Uh, he has his own private practice and is getting ready for some exciting things that will let him spill the beans about going on. And uh, he has his Bachelor of Science in Athletic Training and Therapy. Um, I had the priv- privilege of meeting Owen and learning with Owen in the United States. I came to Slippery Rock and did a really cool international experience. Um, I know every time you guys came over, uh, you guys really brought a lot to our program. And so I really hope you guys took some from us. But uh, it's def- it was definitely a privilege to have you guys uh, around and seeing how you guys approach medicine and athletic training uh, a little bit differently, but with a lot of the same um, concepts in mind. Yeah, I definitely, it was, hi everyone, firstly. Um, uh, uh, no, I think just getting to go to Slippery Rock and getting to meet yourself and everyone else, I think definitely, I definitely think you kind of, let me experience what being a therapist was or a trainer was for the very first time mm-hmm. to to such a to such a level because um very much different in Ireland as it is in America because in Ireland it's sort of like they just chuck you into the deep end and sort of like you sink or you're you sink or you swim it's sort yeah. of like this is your team you're in charge of this team no one can tell you what to do or anything unless you make a big boo-boo and it's sort of like so going then from that kind of level of sort of autonomy with a team even though you're still in college to then going to such a kind of large scale thing over in the states with yourself was a really kind of really culture shock mm-hmm. i definitely was it was so different to anything i experienced that i think it really sort of like like oh crap it's the real deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and that's it. So I, I still remember talking to Shashka about. Um, we were talking about like the little bit of differences. Like again, and, and I think it's a big European thing too. Is uh, you get a little bit more one-on-one time uh, with some of these patients, and uh, I think you guys have a little bit better of a, a healthcare approach to where ours is a very team-based approach, where we're mm-hmm. focusing on treating an, an entire team and making sure that. Um, everybody's on the field to do what they want to do. And I think there's a big change coming for athletic trainers here in the States, which, but I, I just don't ever see that happening to where it's going to be a little bit more individualized one-on-one as the, as the normal, rather than that team-based, like, Hey, you have 50 people, you have two hours, get them ready and get them out to practice kind of mentality. Yeah, I suppose it's quite, it's quite tough because over here, I think there isn't as much maybe pressure placed on the trainer or the therapist because mm-hmm there's sort of almost this divide between we end up being more like an intermediary between everything instead of being one or the other mm-hmm. because I think it, you kind of get to control the situation to your own devices maybe a little bit more whereas it's it's tough because when you're over with in, in the states and you're dealing with these massive teams mm-hmm. you you are on the clock you you you, you can't give each person as much time as like you have to do the best you can possibly do within a certain amount of time and realistically like trainers over in the states do an amazing job with that amount of time and i think it's nearly like you, you get a lot more kind of tum, t- time over here to home and haw and kind of think about things whereas over with you guys it's sort of like you need to just 
follow through with things and take it out of Palestine's situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, and again, I think that's that comes down, like I think you said, to that culture. Because another thing I noticed when I was in Europe, they don't, there's not a big pressure on succeeding in, in athletics as there is here in the states. Um, I think a big thing, at least that I've that I've noticed growing up, is that a lot of kids sometimes that's their only way out. And yeah. being able to sit down to tell them is, oh, you can't play, like you have this, and if you continue to play, you're going to get hurt. To them, that's not an option because then that means they have to go back to what they're fighting to get out of, um, which yeah. I think is it. And again, I don't know Ireland too much or a lot of it, but I mean, how? What is your perspective on it? Like, do you have a lot of people coming out trying to use athletics to come out, or is that not really a common trend? Um, um it's not. Way? It's definitely not as much of of a thing over here for sure, because I definitely noticed that over in when I was with you it's kind of just this level of intensity to that these people they needed they needed this and they needed to succeed and for some of them it was their way out and it was the only reason they were in college mm-hmm. and like you do have that in in Ireland you have we have sports scholarships and athletic scholarships but um i suppose in a tough way there isn't as much pressure put on them over here because that is just a culture thing, really. Like, like in in America, the standard of athlete is at college level is kind of considered professional. Like, a lot of these athletes will compete for their country. A lot of these athletes will are only one step away from playing in large professional teams. I think in Ireland, for sure, in most sports, that kind of level of professionalism doesn't kind of come as early it comes later on maybe in their mid 20s mm-hmm. and that that a lot of that has to do with the, the sports we play mm-hmm. like like the draft was last week for the nfl there was kids who were 18 19 being brought into like like one maybe one year of football and they've made it for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. but that pressure like it's just unheard of over here mm-hmm. it just it just wouldn't happen and it's both a good thing and kind of not, not necessarily a bad thing but i think it maybe it kind of pushes people to have to strive for that level then a, a lot more mm-hmm. which then kind of puts pressure on them and their health because yeah. over here like if you're if i if i went to college students who's maybe an, an athlete and I just sent oh look you have to take two weeks off or you're going to just kind of cause yourself issues there's there's no complaints there's no you know there's no him telling me or her telling me that oh I can't do that I have to play this game tomorrow because if I don't play this game like I might get I might get my big chance that, that just that is not there in Irish colleges and most yeah. colleges yeah, and I think uh, again, it comes down again to the big culture thing, and I think that's where I think uh, it's gonna. I think we're gonna see this big paradox change too, because you're seeing a lot of research and a lot of uh, epidemiology coming out on like the mental health of uh, of athletes, and it's not just isolated to the United States. Like when you look at some of your top tier athletes, I think the one study I read was on uh, the Swedish soccer team. I mean, the level of depression after injury. I mean, the impact that injury has on life. 
I mean, it's been well documented and we see there's a big issue and a need. Um, but and I think we even um, see that with Cormac. Uh, I don't know how often you talk to Cormac, but uh, I've seen him do a couple of mental health talks and his, his limitations with some of the things that have held him out of some of the Gaelic games. Uh, yeah. He's become a big influence on mental health and athletes and how those things change. Um, yeah. But I think we're also going to see this big paradox change of what this, like you were talking about these pressures, uh, what mm-hmm. these pressures are doing to people's life um, yeah. to get to this level. Because if you tell somebody you're physically not able to get that, like a 5'2", 130 pounds is not going to play middle linebacker in the NFL. And so like to them, they're, they have this endless thing, like, oh, I'm going to get there. But in reality, you tell them, like, how's that going to affect their mental health, which therefore affects their health-related quality of life moving on? Yeah, because I think, I think the, most, the most interesting thing I think I saw when I was in over with you in the States was the, uh, was the open call, or I can't remember what it was quite called. It was, for the, it was for the NFL, and it was sort of like a lot of the kind of brightest college um, athletes got to kind of perform. Oh, the pro day. Yeah, yeah the, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was seeing people who, who were, they had no given right to be the size that they were and run and jump the heights and the speeds that they were going without you knowing that they were going to kind of destroy themselves in a short period of time. Yeah. And I suppose like... It's, it's great because they're being put on a stage. They're being put on a pedestal and they know that they have to get to that point. But it's, it's tough because once, if that goes quickly, it's like you said, it, that kind of, those, those kind of mental issues come with athletes because even at a low level, um, when, when athletes, when, when that kind of outlet is taken away from them that portion of what what they consider them like their character is taken away or mm-hmm. it's just not there anymore it's it's incredibly tough for yeah. people because it, it it is who they are that's mm-hmm. how that's how they've seen themselves for years now and well, that's how everybody that's how everybody has seen them i mean like you you look at them through high school um I mean, they are the athlete. They, I mean, some of these kids come in as freshmen and play all four years in high school, and then they come to college, and they have these great careers, and then it's over. I mean, and again, I think a lot of people try to stress, hey, you need to have a backup plan. But to them, there is no backup plan because all they know is athletics. And then when you rip that away, those dream and aspirations away, um, it really affects their ability to strive and be successful people. Yeah, I think I think like you were saying, how there's going to be a, a shift in the coming years in relation to that, in relation to the culture with it. That shift kind of already happened in Ireland regarding sports a few years back. Um, so when say when people back maybe even just two decades ago in Ireland, if they were considered at a professional level. That's what they were. They didn't work as such. Like they maybe had a kind of backup degree or a plan as such, but it was something that they themselves were kind of more so hoping that would never have to happen. Yeah. And as that that mentality though really shifted shifted really quickly um, in Ireland, especially in sports like rugby, where one bad knock or one bad tackle sadly can see your career go in an instant and yeah. i know that that's happened 
mm-hmm. over the years in football especially so yeah. it, it's it's kind of a tough one because these people need protection and they need safety nets and sometimes it's not there and sometimes yeah. it is but it's very yeah. much dependent on their own maybe personal situation then yeah yeah, that's. I, I think you. It, it definitely is. And again, I, I think it wraps bound to a big thing of healthcare patient centeredness. Like, and I think it's something that's changed my practice. Well, what are your goals? Like, what is the patient's goals, and how can I help you? And helping them understand is this realistic? Like, all right, hey, my pain's an eight out of ten when I'm running. Okay, we're obviously not going to realistically get rid of all your pain by the next time you go out there and do sport. But what level does your pain need to be for you to go out there and not be limited? And changing that approach, because at least in the, the American mentality, um, I think that's something that is changing to get towards where you guys are at. Like, hey, take two weeks off, you'll be better. But we're not there yet. Um, yeah. And again, you got to see what's in front of you. What's the patient giving you that you can help them change something? Um, yeah, because because um, I remember when I was over with you, and I just remember, <laughs> I remember like suggesting time off for some of these people, and I. I, I I probably could have insulted their family and they would have been less hurt by what I said to them. <laughs> yeah, that's like, again, that's the big the big culture of like what it means to be out there on the field for some of these kids and then the reality of you can give them an answer, but if it's not the answer they're looking for, and again, this could be a whole other conversation, like this whole doctor shop issue. Like yeah, people no. <laughs> like, oh, I can't play. I'm going to go find another person who's going to give me the answer that I can't play. Because um, uh, I I definitely feel sorry for some of the supervisors I had when I was over with you because I definitely I, def- I definitely caused them a lot of grief with with my own <laughs> my, my mentality in comparison to other people's mentalities. But here's so the, here's the thing, man. Like you you aren't the only one who had that issue. I I still have distinctly one person in my mind. We were working with a patient, and he, this person was doing a lot of manual and a lot of great work. And this person had a lot like, Oh my God, like my pain's gone. And the recommendation that this person made was, all right, you're not practicing today. I mean, that person shot up like, like you just like told her, like everybody in her family died. Like it was yeah. absolutely not like I'm going to go out to practice and I don't care what you have to say. Yes. I feel better. And like, I have no pain, but I'm going to go out to practice next yeah. day comes in her pains back. There's this person's pain is right back. So it's like, Ah, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, I suppose there's also that difference. Say, like, if if a patient did that to me in Ireland, and I've had them do it, the the difference is I normally just look at them, just go, "You're an idiot," and they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm an idiot." And it's like, "Will you make will, will you fix me?" And it's like, "Will you will you stop being an idiot?" And they're like, "Maybe." <laughs> Where when I I I, I kind of you I I feel like yeah, you it's tougher on you because I feel like you have to tread more carefully when you're over there. Like, like, Mm -hmm. like I think I got away with it because of people knew I was from a completely different culture and a complete, completely different country. And they're like, ah, look, that's what he deals with with his athletes. (laughs) Like the mind him kind of thing. I was there like looking at like, like semi-professional football players in college. And I was like pointing them just being like, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, they sometimes they appreciate that though. They appreciate the honesty and be like, okay, like you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, but with that, like how has this like helped shape because that's like one of the things I really wanted to hit on here, because I think we have seen uh, talked a little bit about like what is the big impact or the big experience change that you've noticed from your international experience um and how that has translated to uh your professional practice here in uh Ireland now. Um Probably in, in Ireland before, I think before I went over to America, um, I think 
my idea of rehab was a little bit more lax in that like you had all the time in the world you know like these people will listen to what you say like they'll you know like with the right rehab and the right time people will kind of suit suit themselves and it'll but then when i went to the, went, went over to you guys it was very different like people had agendas people had goals people had these things that they had to get to and it wasn't a case of if and or but it was no we are doing this and we need to do this within a certain time frame and i had never experienced that so i i i had to adjust what i would have suggested or tried to implement with people to kind of suit their needs because it, it like with the amount of time I got to spend with these athletes, it wasn't like I was going to be able to completely change their mentality. This mm-hmm. is the mentality that they grew up in. This is not a mentality that some person from a few hundred miles across an ocean was going to be able to convince them of <laughs> otherwise. But at the same time, when I came back to Ireland, then I noticed that the kind of way in people did rehab it could have been better. It should have been better. It should have been to a higher standard with more energy and more enthusiasm and kind of more goal driven. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it just wasn't present over here. So mm-hmm. I think for me, like, like I, I hound people now when it comes to rehab, I'm, I'm like after them. <laughs> like, and like, I've, I have a few people who are like, you're really weird therapists. And it's like, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because they're just not they're not used to it they're not used yeah. to they're not used to kind of somebody being like with the uh, with a stick just poking them just being like go on keep going you can do it you can do it you can do it and yeah. I, I picked that up from my placement with you guys mm-hmm. and it's kind of tough because it's like again it's a mentality that, that over here I'm somewhere now in, in the middle between the way you you guys do things and the way people used to do things over here mm-hmm. and i'm trying to like get get people's mentality to be different to be like just because you're injured doesn't mean you can't go do training or go into the gym and just do stuff that doesn't affect your injury like the more you do that stuff the better you'll be in the long term for it but yeah. it's very for me over here it's like quite hard to get people to stop from switching off. Whereas when I was over with you guys, I was there like trying to put people in straight jackets to stop them from like <laughs> running on an ankle that's like being held together by like crazy glue or something. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, to me, uh, that's like the big thing that I noticed too is like, at least like, so I, I didn't see as much in Ireland as I did in Czech, but like Czech was even worse with it like you like mentality like no you do what the physio says and that's that's it you show up and you do your stuff i really had that little bit of um i still want to be out there kind of thing and but i think you hit it on a point when you have those goals driven like you have specific goals you know what i mean like setting those goals like what do you want to get out of this and okay that's that's what you said you wanted me to do now it's my job to push you towards that that goal because as healthcare providers uh, and, and whether you're an athletic trainer, athletic therapist, a physiotherapist, a physical therapist, a chiro, a DO, MD, does not matter. As healthcare providers, we're here to help patients achieve their health, health-related goals in order to impact their quality of life. Because one person may be doing a – I see this a lot too, especially in the high school level. Somebody may be doing a sport and they get hurt. And they're going to do everything they can. They're going to do exactly what I think a lot of people in Ireland do. Oh, no, no, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm done. 
And then you try to push them to get better, and they're just not going to do it because their goals aren't aligned with sport. Their goals are to, hey, I'm here because mom and dad told me. But then when you have those situations like you were talking about like when we were at Slippy Rock, a lot of those goals, no, I need to do this because I need to get to the next level. That next level was my way out. And that's a big, big mentality shift. But I think the big umbrella thing is like patient-centered. Like every patient case is going to be different. And I think as healthcare professionals, it's our job to identify what those goals are and then break that down. What's stopping you from getting to that goal? Um, and then that, and then you approach it that way. And then moving forward again is how you, as healthcare professionals, we need to act. Cause again, you yeah. say you're stuck in the middle, you know what I mean? Like, but then again, like I see it as you're not stuck in the middle, you're where you need to be. Because I think you have a lot of people are like they're clinician driven goals. And you have a lot of people that are just patient driven goals. We need to bring those together to come and work together collaboratively to make that better. Yeah, for, that's, that's definitely the way it needs to go because I suppose I think I think at times as well, like therapists and trainers in general of whichever qualification, every everyone everyone is very precious about the way they do things or the way that they believe things should be done, and I suppose sometimes it's sort of maybe kind of being maybe a little bit less precious about the way we go about things to just maybe improve the whole industry in, in its totality instead of just being like oh we can be a little bit better than these guys or we can change this or we can do that like you were saying that how i was saying that i thought i was stuck but it's not really it's it's more of a case of that people need to kind of be able open open-minded enough to be able to see it yeah from both sides and be able yeah. to kind of find the right middle ground for everything like yeah yeah, and, and again, it's a culture change too. Like, not too many people appreciate change. Change is good uh, for the most part. Sometimes change you don't need to happen, but sometimes change is often inevitable. Uh, yeah. And I think I think you've kind of even started that change with that experience um, from coming over here. Like, hey, how do you guys do it? And how do we? And again, that's collaborative practice. So, I mean, I, I had that conversation how long ago? Like, what it means to be a collaborator. Everybody has their different approaches. You know what I mean? Like, I think you got, like, in Ireland, you guys, and it's changing here, but I think you guys in Ireland are a lot more manual therapy driven um, and reinforced with some exercise. I think here in the States, it's very exercise driven and then a little bit of manual therapy. Um, I definitely think that when I was over with you guys, that was the way I viewed things. Mm -hmm. But as time has gone on, I'm way more, my, my, the amount of time I do manual therapy has dropped because I re I, I've kind of come to realize that like manual therapy is great it and it can help with the pain on a short-term basis mm. but it's only to facilitate the quality of rehab and mm. the quality of rehab is based off the exercise mm. and the, the structures you put in place for these people and I think yeah. that's far more where I'm at now I, I've kind of kind of come to a conclu conclusion that like I'll do this, make them feel a bit better, take the pain away for a short period of time, but really just kind of hit home that, look, this is what you need to be doing, and yeah. this is the way you're going to be get better in the long term. Yeah, yeah, and again, I think you take, again, big picture of collaborative. You take two levels of extremes. Again, I think if you look at the 
American way versus the Ireland way, at least from your perspective and where my perspective is like for me, I, I do a little bit more manual therapy now than I was. You're doing a little bit more therapeutic exercise and you kind of create this great cluster of what it, what it's going to help get better. Cause I agree. I, I've got a lot of success, especially with a lot of mulligans and Maitland's and a lot of those things. Like I get a lot of success short term. Like, Oh, I feel great. They go out there. Boom. Like uh, one of the kids I work with had like two throwouts. Like the kid couldn't throw the ball to the pitcher the game before. And then the next game we do some of this um, manual and then reinforce with some therapeutic exercise. Kid threw out two people going to second base. Like from not being able to get to the pitcher and now you're throwing it further and even harder, which yeah. that little bit, again, it, it, that's what it means to be collaborative. You learn what people do successfully and then you go forward. Yeah. Um, I definitely think it's, it, it's, it's definitely, I think that's the best way to do it because especially because it reinforces people a lot better because if they if they get some benefits even if they're small scale like for you and me we, we'd probably notice them as these big massive things in the way that they play mm-hmm. or in the way that they do just their acts of daily living but for them it just seems like well this is just the norm this is the way mm-hmm. it should be anyway yeah but yeah you kind of get that like excited feeling too though like yeah. like oh my god why what's he not doing right we get there and we intervene and then they go do that and you're like you're on the sideline going crazy like whoa and then they're just like chill out like i do this every day and i'm like yeah but you weren't <laughs> yeah i think because and I, I it's it's the more i think a more expressive the sport is the more you definitely go into it because say i've dealt with people who do marathons and i do and and like just at athletics in general and I remember being at a meet before and just like somebody was coming to me it's like oh I'm not feeling well just do a little work on them and then because you you can see them doing better and they're on the sidelines I absolutely screaming at them being like what is wrong with that person and they're just there like like I'm I'm yelling at somebody doing a 400 meter run and just they're like run you and I'm just like yeah, that's. I mean, that's. And sometimes it's like kind of that unwritten drive to why we all kind of do things. Like, I think I talked about this in another cast. Like, some of the things like why people got into athletic training and athletic therapy often is because you got hurt and you didn't know what to do to get better. So you wanted to be able to figure out a way. How do I? How do I prevent this? Or how do I get better for so that I can help somebody else not have to go through that same experience? Because yeah. at the end of the day, we maybe missed out on those opportunities. So in a way, almost kind of even living like vicariously through their successes because you were able to help them achieve that goal. Yeah, because for me, that's definitely more so for me. That happened while I was in college. I I think I spent more time on crutches than I did walking on my own two feet during college. (laughs) Most of my retirement from sport occurred during college. So I was a bit like, yes, well, now you're going to succeed for me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's. I think it's a big drive. Um, so, but actually, one thing I think you brought up too, what I wanted to hit on, uh, is the the marathon. Uh, yeah. I know in our previous talks, uh, you were getting ready for the Ireland Marathon, and uh, which is really exciting. Um, I think it's just going to be. I, we just had the Pittsburgh Marathon. I missed it this year, which I'm really upset about. But I could that mentality and that environment is great. Um, so with that though. What what role are you taking in the marathon that's coming up? Uh, this year, I'm the head athletic therapist for the Dublin Dublin City Marathon. Um, um, it's a new role for me. Um, like last year, I was just another therapist at the event. Um, I it, uh, kind of on short notice, I kind of got placed into a kind of team leader role to um, 
to get other athletic trainers and therapists together mm-hmm. for the event of, on the day on the day i was kind of giving them four weeks to do it and i was a bit like yeah i can do this and i was like oh god <laughs> And then I kind of forgot, oh, God, dealing with, dealing with people is actually really tough. Um, <laughs> and it's like, and then you forget that, oh, my God, dealing with therapists is even worse. Uh, so they all, have, they all have their own perspective. And if you don't have that perspective, you're not doing it the right way. Yeah, exactly. It was like, because uh, they're like, oh, yeah, that's a great, that, that, that seems like it's a great idea. And then you're like, oh, so do you want to do it? And I was like, ah, I'll get back to you. And they're just like, <laughs> No, I have two weeks to do this, please. Yeah. <laughs> but um, this year, then I suppose I learned. I learned the hard way. Obviously, like I was speaking to them again um, prior or afterwards, and kind of, kind of put in, put in, put in plans and put in um, ideas that were like, this is a better way of doing it this year. And like the whole idea was that it was going to actually be more based off the Boston Marathon, where more kind of onus was put on the, the trainers and therapists to take more of the of the lead with a lot of the people that were coming in and okay. to kind of t- and take care of them both in say out in the crowds spotting people who needed care as well as inside in the medical medical tents to kind of because a lot a, a lot of the issues people were having were things that more so needed they needed to kind of just be brought back to normal and let them kind of ride ride it out Mm-hmm. Like there was, there wasn't too many people, thankfully, who were like hitting the deck, clutching their chests, or no. there wasn't. Too, most of it was more just people who had either drank way too much water, did not, did not expect what a marathon does to your body, or <laughs> ate like three salt cube pieces before they did the marathon and were coming over to you with a kind of real salty sheen on their skin, and I. I I kind of I, this and this was all new to me. Like I, I had done, I had covered iron, the Ironman competitions as well over here, um, prior to the marathon. And I suppose I was expecting look, the the iron the Ironman's an Ironman. You know, people people this people are doing crazy things in an Ironman, and mm-hmm. like a marathon, surely there isn't as much mm-hmm. there isn't as much uh, issues. And uh, honestly, God, I've never seen so many people in the medical tent in my life. <laughs> and, <laughs> Well, I think I I think if you look at the differences though, like the Iron Man, like nobody signs up for an Iron Man unless they know what the Iron Man is. Like yeah. the ability to do an Iron Man is like, in my opinion, probably one of the greatest human cap- capabilities that one can keep because doing all of that and the amount of time that they do it is ridiculous. But then I think yeah. if you look at the at like a marathon and like the half marathons, like. And Joe Schmo's gonna be like, oh, that's only 13 miles, or that's only 26.2 miles. Like, I can do that. I know I did it. I ran the half twice in Pittsburgh, and I'm like, oh, this is nothing. And I get halfway through, and I'm like, why the hell did I sign myself up for this? <laughs> like, this is this is torture. And the problem is, like, I had people coming into me in into the medical tent, and they're like, oh, you okay? And it's like, oh no, I don't. I I think something's wrong with me. And I was like, and you you do a full check in them and everything. It's like, oh, you're perfectly fine. It's like. No, no, I'm telling you, there's something wrong with me, and it's like, <laughs> and like the, the the issue was that you signed up to a marathon with four weeks notice. That was that. <laughs> yeah, they have that that your euphoric feeling, like what is going on around me? Like this is this really what this is? Yeah. 
because uh, the problem and the, the probably the biggest issue is like oh yeah i kind of strained something in my calf or in my hamstring or my quad on like mile six and i was like kind of doing the math out in my hand and i was like so you ran on that for the rest of the marathon and they were like yeah and they're like good for you definitely an impressive feat when i do those kind of things yeah. uh, but i think one thing you mentioned which i thought was interesting is that you said that you guys are taking a little bit more of the role and it sounds like a little bit more autonomy um yeah. taking care of the patrons who are participating and whatnot uh what kind of what's your approach on that like what's what do you think is the big difference um that this year that you guys are being given that autonomy i suppose it like we're getting we're being given more autonomy i suppose because of prior experience like last year we had the most ats um at the marathon and i think they kind of thought that look this is actually this makes perfect sense like it's sort of like a match made in heaven these guys are these ats it's have a, a sporting and athletics background you know exactly what's going on with these people's bodies when they're putting themselves through this and they're also they'll know exactly what to do when people are kind of crashing mm-hmm. and they're kind of hitting those walls mm-hmm. and um it, it's it's more so that like i suppose we're being given more I suppose not autonomy when it comes to the marathon. It's more like we're just giving, being given more responsibilities because okay. I suppose over here in comparison to America, like like I run my own my own clinic to myself. There isn't anyone else with me. There isn't anyone above me or anyone that I need to kind of give here here like leave her by or anything like that. I kind of I call my own shots, mm-hmm. and I know that that's sort of an uh, something that hopefully is going to change in the states because like i i know 80s over with like you included and everything like that like uh, you you can definitely you're a big enough boy now to be able to call your own shots kind of <laughs> yeah yeah no it's definitely like something that's different i think because i, I think you you'll we'll probably hear a lot of comments back and forth of where, whether we should be practicing autonomous autonomously or not because here in the states we have to practice under the scope of of a physician but one thing i always have a big issue with like they say a physician but that physician could be a podiatrist could be a dentist and not to take away from like their credentials and like because it it takes a lot to get there but i mean who why would if, if an athletic trainer doesn't have a physician to practice, they can't do their job. So if a, if a dentist is the closest thing by, they're going to go to that dentist and be signed off. And that dentist is going to be the overseeing physician. That dentist is not a specialist in orthopedic physical injury illness care. Like yeah. there are specialties here. And so like, again, I think you create this really, it's got to be either MDDO as in, in orthopedic care or let athletic trainers go do their thing and work yeah. collaboratively because at the end of the day, um, you don't want the to have to refer to a dentist because, hey, I need an x-ray. Oh, yeah. well, uh, well, why am I referring to a dentist to get orders for an x-ray or to follow up with a patient care? Because that's yeah. not their daily practice. And again, I think that's like a big benefit to the athletic training and therapy in Ireland uh, is that you guys get to do that and you don't really have to check in 
um, with another healthcare provider to make sure you're making the right decision because you're listening to what the patient has and you're figuring out the solutions. Now, hey, we need an x-ray or we need an MRI. Yeah, let's consult and collaborate with that up the higher up position um, so that we can work together. Like, hey, we got this. Now let's work together and create a good healthcare plan moving forward. Yeah, I, I think it, it's definitely like it makes my life easier now because like if I feel like my patients will benefit from an MRI, I can write them up, I can explain to them what they, why they need it, and I, they go and then they get their MRI. Mm-hmm. They come back to me with like, no, I'm not going to say that I know how to exactly perfectly read an MRI, but I I can make sense of the written statements mm-hmm. and the write up from it. And then we can, from their statements, with the consultant, and then we can put in a plan together. Yeah. Like it's, it's more streamlined. It makes everyone's life easier. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, in a way, I kind of felt that it kind of diminished your, your AT sort of um, importance in, in America when they have to kind of come underneath somebody else that mightn't necessarily have any specialty or any kind of qualification or training in that field. It's sort of like asking a supervisor, am I doing this the right way? And then looking at you and saying, how the hell am I supposed to know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, I, I agree with you. I think that's a big limiting factor to it. Again, like I don't have a problem practicing under the, the, this, um, under a physician because I think my physician is very supportive of what we do and he's very good at what he does. Um, I, I just think my biggest problem, like I said, is like, like I think an example, like if I had a supervisor that wasn't minded in, in orthopedic care or injury illness, like why would I use them as my overseeing physician? Cause sometimes you, you have that deductive, like, Hey, this is all I got. But then again, like it doesn't help the patient that doesn't help you. That just, I think it's more, detrimental than just saying hey let me work autonomously by myself i don't need to refer to a physician but if i have a case that i'm having trouble with hey i need to refer out i need to go find an orthopedic who's going to help me dig deep into what's going on with this patient case um and and i think that's that's what healthcare is because it's just it's we've created this dichotomy almost of physician other healthcare professionals like allied healthcare professionals nurses um uh, PTs, uh, PAs, like it, there's just like the divide, and it, it, it's because we, we have to have this overseeing person. Um, and it's a different approach to leadership, but I don't necessarily think that's where we are anymore. It's, it's definitely very different over here. Um, over here, it's definitely more like it's it, like you can put your faith into a, a more into different qualifications. Like you can go to a physical therapist and a physiotherapist and uh, an athletic therapist and there's there's so much kind of overlapping in, in things that we can do that o- other that other qualifications and other uh, healthcare professionals can do, and there is obviously limitations to that as well because obviously yeah. like um, especially like physiotherapists will often work more in hospitals. Mm-hmm. We kind of share we we share the cl- the clinical roles. And then we're so we're more orientated orientated then to deal with uh, sports things. And yeah, like the functional sort of, things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's sort of the way it's it's ebbed and flowed in the in the past few years. Obviously, we're um, a, a much younger uh, uh, profession over here in comparison to physiotherapists because they've been in here for mm-hmm. uh, half century, sixty, seventy years. 
and then you kind of look at us and athletic therapy or athletic training only came to Ireland in I think maybe maybe the last 15 to 20 years really mm-hmm. and obviously then the governing body and the courses and everything came kind of afterwards as a result yeah. and that's just sort of the way it went so um yeah it, it's very different because like i i have people who uh who are physiotherapists who i'm happy to send people off to if i don't necessarily think that i can I, I'm, I'm able to help this person i've had people who send people to me likewise it's sort of goes that way a little bit more and i think more so if if there's any kind of humming or hawing it's it's sometimes more like mm-hmm. people being a little bit more stubborn and just being like no i don't want to yeah yeah i think i think another thing too i think you were talking about right there was a referral thing i think a big thing too that limits athletic trainers is that um and i think it limits patient care too is that let's say you have an overseeing physician i work for a pt outreach so maybe it doesn't apply to me as much but something i could see somebody else is if they work for a hospital-based system and they work outreach they kind of are almost forced to refer back to their group even if it's not beneficial for the patient that patient could be an hour away from that physician group and they're being asked to send them there to where they have joe schmo across the street who does the same exact thing has the same qualifications as that place across the street but they're being told that they can't send them there i think that limits of practice and you create this un, unruly bias I know sometimes where I can apply it to myself is that like I'll send a lot of the patients to my outreach clinic and then when somebody else goes somewhere else like I don't have that communication system with them because I don't work with them because I'm stuck with my one person now for me could I maybe reach out to that other team yes but then my outreach system's like well why are you working with the competition like you create this competition and there it shouldn't be a competition in healthcare it should be focused on improving the quality of life of this person, regardless if they're at this hospital, this outreach clinic, or whether they're in the facility that I'm working at working with me, because we all got to come together. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, like, they're the, the physical therapists in the two companies in my area are very capable, well-known and do great work. For me, I have no problem sending them to both. But if I were sending more to the other person and less to my issue to my company, I know my company would be like, Hey Dev, what's going on? Why aren't you referring people to us? And they're worried about the business side of aspect. And I'm like, well, I'm sending it to them because that's where the health insurance is accepted and it's better for that person. And it's just how it is. Yeah. I definitely don't have to deal with that. Um, Now that the the business orientated thing kind of as a whole, as an industry is still definitely here because there's still definitely competition between the professions and that's not necessarily a bad thing but i think it's more so when people try to make it into a competition where one is forcefully trying to make life difficult for the other yeah that that's probably something that i think is kind of silly because there's no point in making life difficult for another healthcare professional if they're doing a good job if they're doing what they should be doing and they're helping other people then realistically what you should be doing is just bettering yourself and bettering the industry as a whole because obviously i'm in a much smaller country so the market is far more saturated here and i think that's where some of the the the, the issues come from because every everyone's sort of like fighting for their little bit of turf their little yeah. their little area sort of that no this is this, these are my people and these are the people that come to me to deal mm-hmm. with me 
these are the people that refer to me. But uh, realistically, there's so much overlapping between us all that there's no, there's no real sense to fight, really. And mm-hmm. I think I think it's more so something that will, uh, with time, will kind of people will kind of like realize that, and they'll sort of more so just do what they need to do more so yeah. than maybe try and do it in a kind of like yes we won up that person or yes we know we won up that group or or whatever but at the same time there is there's still there's still difficulties in ireland because Mm -hmm. say with the referral system it's it's great that i can refer people on to other therapists but if i want an mri if i I want an x-ray for my patient i will have to send them to a, a gp a general practitioner over here and they will have to get write me up a note uh, for them or another referral so that they can go to whichever hospital they want and yeah. that's sort of the difficulty there's yeah. there's there's it, it's it's sort of it's a lot more hospital orientated over yeah. here it kind of takes that that ability away from the, the therapist mm-hmm. but in a way it's sort of like well i'm going to not to say that gps can't tell if something is wrong but we're musculoskeletal experts. We are the ones that will know if this person needs a scan, if there is mm-hmm. something that is innocuous or some difficulty has arisen. We are yeah. probably the ones that will know best out of all of them. Yeah. So it may, surely it makes more sense for us to be able to write a referral for these people to get the scans. Yeah. But it's kind of out of our hands over here. It, yeah. It's it's sort of almost a, it flip flops. It sort of goes to a person that sort of they would never have gone to in the first place so that they can kind of get the end result. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, I think you hit a really good point. They're like, yes, we are the experts in musculoskeletal, but then I think it's also a really cool opportunity for us to educate that general practitioner. Like, Hey, this is what I found. This is why this is that. And whether they buy into that or not, I mean, that's up to the individual person. But like, if we can educate that, then I think we will really get some good change. Like, hey, Owen's really good at doing these things. He's really good at getting successful outcomes and identifying these problems. When Owen sends me a referral for an x-ray, I'm going to go with what he says because I know he's a clinical expert. He's justified and we've educated each other why this is it. And again, I think it comes down to uh, the, I think the number one thing, make sure you understand why you're doing a certain thing. Because again, I think this is more in America than it is in Europe. Um, but in America, I think healthcare is very driven by the business side of things. And I think that's another thing that limits AT autonomy here in America. Um, and I think it's something that will be very difficult to change because if you throw an athletic trainer out there, uh, they're going to be taking away from some of these, uh, costs that they're being able to charge to insurances. Um, because if you take, if you, if the athletic trainer is doing these things and not sending them to the hospital, they're losing copay, they're losing emergency department IEs, they're losing all these interactions, which like if you look at the bill, bill might go up to $5,000. But if you have an athletic trainer who steps in, hey, this is an ankle sprain, uh, auto ankle rolls are negative, there's no fracture, we don't need an x-ray, you just save that person $5,000, but you also just cost the business side of America $5,000 for that hospital visit and all that. So I think that's a big limiting factor for us. That's uh, somewhat, um, that's somewhat the reverse in Ireland at the moment, because, um, there's, there's a, there's a shortage of space in most hospitals in, in Ireland. And a lot of the space is kind of being taken up by people in, in A&Es and kind of looking for kind of answers for, for, for issues that realistically they probably shouldn't have gone to the hospital about. They should have gone to 
a therapist or a trainer about mm-hmm. and and I think in Ireland the hospitals are like please please go away and please just look for for, for answers in these clinics and stuff. but here, here's the thing in the states they're doing the same thing they come up with these 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 clinics these express clinics called med express where they can go get x-rays sutures bracing and all that where there are a lot of things out there trying to do, but they're still charging out the wazoo so they found a solution to do this but people are going there and going to the hospitals and they're like oh my god we're so overworked and like we don't you don't need to go to the hospital for this like but we still want your money because if they're not going to get their money they're going to go and create another loophole to go get the money because again it's a business driven thing yeah. not a healthcare driven um model yeah. and that's again, as athletic trainers i think we kind of get the butt end of the stick because at the end of the day i think the majority of athletic trainers are a little bit more pure in that their delivery of healthcare. like hey i just want to see you get better i'm not worried about how much i get paid i'm not worried about um who's whose feelings are i'm worried about you um, and at the end of the day, it limits us because we don't really put value to that. We don't really sit, like demonstrate our worth because at the end of the day, it's not about the money aspect. It's about the healthcare aspect. Um, that's why I think a lot of athletic trainers and therapists are relatively under underpaid compared to some of these other places because we're not we're not putting mon- money to somebody's healthcare to where these businesses are putting money yeah. to healthcare. You know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose in Ireland the healthcare the healthcare is more it it, it most like public hospitals are owned are run by the government you know they're given a budget by the government each year whereas a vast majority of hospitals in america are privately owned or they're run by a board who sets the budget for them it's not set by the minister for health or the, or anything like that that you would have um and i suppose the issue then is that it like and and I know why it was done in America because if if I needed something done in America I can get it done if I have the right insurance and I can get it done straight away and I like and I've had patients who are who who are they're American and they'll go home to America they'll have their surgery they'll come back to Ireland and they'll do the rehab with me because they would have it'll be quicker for them to get surgery in America and to come back than it would because be money over here. Yeah, because money drives it. Because they boom, I got that surgery. That's a fifty thousand dollar charge, whatever, to the insurance. And then we go to the therapy side of things. Oh, that's okay. okay. We don't need to worry about the money on that because the ther- because therapists are going to put the value to it because they just want to see good outcomes, kind of thing. Yeah, because like, like sometimes it's a bit like, oh my god, that that's a crazy that's a crazy number to pay for that. Because again, in Ireland, if you did wait for if you did wait for the surgery, it would be way less because i think like somebody was explaining to me that like a hip replacement was tens of thousands and i think over here it's like less than ten thousand euros yeah well that's so, i i i'm gonna throw this out there because i think you would really enjoy this book it's uh, called american sickness a really good book about value-based care and the one the one story they talk about in there is a guy has uh, osteoarthritis i think it was and um or rheumatoid arthritis that's what it was um so he's had this since childhood and in this really expensive drug and it was a certain price i think it was like 17 grand or something like that with this one doctor in this special clinic and he was going there for years good outcomes doing better again 17 grand a lot of money but the guy was happy that's what it was uh this doctor moves on to uh new york university so he can teach other students and do that which is great that guy's getting better and and, and better in the healthcare system. But this patient decided to follow that doctor. And when he followed that doctor and was getting treated at that clinic, 
his charge now for this medication is over $100,000. So where the hell does that come from? That's not a healthcare-driven option. That's a business-driven option. And they're using this money to drive healthcare outcomes because at the end of the day, they know this guy's going to continue to come because he needs that relief from the pain. And you, it's like slavery or not slavery. It's, um, yeah, it's almost it's like live or die. You know what I mean? Like it, pay it for is, this, it, you better it, or you're done. Yeah. It's, it's essentially putting, it's, a, it's putting a price on your standard of health. It's yeah. putting a price on how much are you willing to pay for you to feel to be pain free. And that, that shouldn't, that there shouldn't be a problem where you can, where someone has to choose like a mortgage over the ability to walk down the street pain free. Yeah. But sadly, I suppose in America more so, it, it is it is almost sort of like a, a kind of very much over top ver- version of it. Because obviously it's in other countries, but then in other countries, especially in Europe and um, and Canada, the state is far more involved with, look, we foot, we'll, we'll foot a portion of the bill or we will control the insurance to a certain degree. Yeah. And obviously, like obviously in Canada and, Amer- and in England, um, there's free healthcare. Yeah. Or, or it's, uh, you know, it's... Uh, but that's, that's the whole thing, though. I think if you look at Canada and Europe, a lot of their models approach healthcare as a right and not as a privilege. Yeah. People in America can sit there and say that we treat healthcare as a right. We do not. I mean, they, they, they came out with the Obamacare to try to treat it like that, and people just went up in arms about it because people were going to lose money. People were going to be – it was going to be – but we were giving health care to a lot of people. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying it was a great idea, but I think it was a start to show, like, hey, we need to start treating health care as a right and not as a privilege. Because here in the state, yeah. you don't have health insurance. You're, you're SOL because you're going to go to the hospital or go to an ED, and you're going to be charged out the wazoo, and, and you're going to be in debt for the rest of your life. Yeah, because I remember, I, I remember when Obamacare came out, and like, I think everyone in Europe was like, "Oh, that's a good idea," you know, like you know, just be it. <laughs> one of us. You don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't have that already. You guys don't already <laughs> provide healthcare <laughs> yeah. to everybody. What? <laughs> uh, and but uh, but then there was this thing of like, I think Obamacare was a was a nice idea, but because Obamacare became more like a, it it became a political ideal in yeah. the state, and the problem yeah. was it kind of died a death in the sense that it was good but there was way too many uh holes in mm-hmm. its system for mm-hmm. it to be as good as it should have been and yeah. it, and that's the problem like yeah. that's that, that's sort i think of where, that goes to show that. though like how the business the business is controlling it because it disrupted the business and i, I think you were completely right it turned out to be a more political thing because people are like oh i wanted to do that but then again that goes and shows how strong the businesses were because the businesses came in we how we we voted donald trump as the president see ya i mean again business took over the the healthcare side of things and it's not a healthcare driven thing anymore it's not yeah I don't. I don't really know if we should bring up Donald Trump because I've got way too much material on that. So I'll, I'll just, <laughs> I'm, I'm going. Well, I'm going to behave myself. <laughs> trust me. We'll, we'll, we could save that one for a private conversation. But like, because yeah. again, it, the, the after dark podcast. Yeah, it's. It, there's a lot of good things. There's a lot of bad things from it. But again, it's just. I think it's just the wrapping up. The big idea is healthcare is being driven by business and not by healthcare. And yeah, that's the big difference, I think. And again, I think it wraps back down to the AT autonomy. Like, that's why athletic trainers, I think, in the States don't have as much autonomy as you guys do in Ireland or anywhere else in Europe. Now, 
there is there's obvious there's very obvious upsides to autonomy and there's downsides to autonomy. Mm-hmm. The downsides are most people will try and get a job in a clinic. Now the problem in Ireland is um, a bachelor's degree is not what it used to be in Ireland. You 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 people are nearly especially in healthcare uh, roles unless you're a nurse or a doctor. All other healthcare professionals, it's sort of like oh you you don't want to get you get the masters or something because that's <laughs> and they're a bit like do i look like i can afford a master's <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh the problem is it's it sort it, it's very difficult at the moment because because of the saturated market and because of the people mm-hmm. of people expecting experience and qualifications that people can't get without getting to do these roles in the first place, they're kind of forcing a lot of therapists, regardless of their qualification, into positions where they're having to work or go back to college to do something that they don't necessarily need to do. Mm-hmm. But and that that's sort of one of the biggest issues in Ireland at the moment with that. Like like I, I shouldn't have to go back to college, pay however many thousands for a qualification that won't necessarily change the way I actually go about the way I treat people just so I can get a job mm-hmm. at a base level in a clinic. Yeah. So what's happening now with a lot of athletic therapists in Ireland at the moment, only kind of in the last few years is we're all just kind of setting up our own clinics. So that's what we did. And now in my course from my year, I think half of more than half went back to do masters. Mm-hmm. Um, a small portion have stopped um, uh, practicing as ATs altogether. There's actually two accountants now out of my course. I don't know how they did that. <laughs> you got to get them to come in and balance your books here in a minute. Yeah, they, they're they're going they're going to be my accountants. <laughs> and, then, and then there's that kind of kind of third of our class then who have gone on to kind of set themselves up or try and do things or work in clinics themselves, yeah. and that autonomy is great. The choice of being able to do that is great because if you want to do those things, you can, because you don't need to worry about others supervising you. There is somewhat that issue of being kind of slightly forced into having to do certain things because the job is what it is at the moment. But say for me at the moment, getting to work for myself is great. One, because I'm stubborn and two, because I just, I love being able to deal with people face to face. I and I like the way I can control the way my business goes. Yeah. The downside to that is, I recently injured myself and I was out for three weeks. Um, I don't have insurance at the time, like I had no sick insurance, so that three weeks kind of hurt me. Yeah. And now, as a result of that injury, in a month's time, I'm getting surgery. And I'll be out of work for maybe two or three months. And again, sadly, sick insurance doesn't work in reverse. I can't claim after I've been injured. I have to start paying into it beforehand before you know anything happens. Yeah. And sadly, it kind of leaves me in a tough spot because I still have rent pay for my for my space. I still have um, I still have all of these things I need to do administratively with my patients and with the other events that I'm helping to run. And then suddenly 
there is no money coming in so it's quite like ah crap <laughs> yeah yeah no that's i mean again that's a big i think it's a private practice thing there too but i think one thing i yeah. wanted to talk about real quick is i was like i think we have a, again business is driving um a lot of these things because people are like oh hey you need to go get your masters well why because we, i already have these skills and i think in america we've already seen this and it's and i think it, i'm not too sure how i feel about it i think we're getting gonna get some great clinicians out of it but we've moved to this entry-level master's degree for athletic training but we're yeah. required now we're almost requiring five six years of education to be an athletic trainer one we don't get paid to do that so how are you going to justify somebody paying this much getting paid this little to pay this much of a college education when they could do this and get paid a lot more. So I think that's a big problem. I'm curious to see how that dynamic changes. I think it, it's going to go for the positive, but I'm just, that's what my biggest worry is, is that people are going to be pushed out because of the cost and not because of the result. Um, but then another yeah. thing I think you're talking about the, some of the liabilities and not having insurance and things like that. But another big thing is liability insurance. Like what happens like, like for me, like my company pays for my liability insurance. If something happens, like I'm covered for my company. But if you're in a private practice like you are and something happens and uh, whether it's purposeful or not, like you're liable. So you have to make sure you cover your backside so you're not getting screwed for the rest of your life with a liability lawsuit. Uh, yeah, but for, for me, I'm in, a, I'm in a group scheme under my actual governing body. My okay. governing body, my governing body, um, Arty in Ireland, um, they they facilitated a group um, insurance um, policy for members of the governing body, and obviously it's um, similar to the BOCs over with you. Um, and I, I think you were already talking to Seska about this before, but we had to, you have to do a, a practical, you have to do written, and you have to get through the undergrad itself to be able to become a member and then you pay your memberships and whatever. And then as a result, you can get this massively discounted insurance policy through because you're a member and it's full professional indemnity insurance and public liability insurance. So as somebody who's self-employed, that is massively, massively needed because I didn't do it straight away um, after I qualified. I waited a few months to become a member, and during that time, I still had to pay for insurance if I wanted to work for pe on people. And in the short space of a few months, I had to pay hundreds just so I could deal with people and work on them. And then when I got my policy, it was a quarter of that for an entire year. Wow! And for like that is the advantage that that policy is there but i know because see this is more of a problem that for for you guys because america is a monstrously sized country with a huge population there is a little around 200 active um athletic therapists in ireland so having a joint policy for them is not something that's difficult Mm -hmm. Imagine the, how many tens of thousands ATs there are in America. Yeah, Having yeah. a joint policy for them would become quite difficult, especially because for the governing body, they have to be able to ensure that all of these payouts would happen for you. So again, it is somewhat business oriented. Again, like you were saying, that it comes down to the numbers. For you guys, it's kind of tough because I don't really see your governing body 
putting that in place because it's not realistic. Like I think you've already hit the nail on the head with it. It's it's not possible to do that. And I think that's a big thing that limits a lot of ATs going into private practice here is that they have to take on that liability insurance themselves, which can get quite pricey, especially when you get to a bigger practice. Like for me, I think my basic is one to three million uh, coverage. Uh, When you have your own private practice, you got to have tens to hundred, maybe even a hundred million dollars worth of coverage because not one person may come at you. You might get a couple people at you and um, you got to make sure you're covered financially. Otherwise you're going to be in a world for hurt. And I, I think you probably saw when you were in Europe that, that again, that's a bit of a different cultural thing because yep. that, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to call it a suing culture, but that but, is, uh, you don't have, you don't have to sugarcoat it. It is people well, always are looking people, away people, to get people, on. Somebody. People, people like suing other people in America, and, they do. Uh, and like it's, it's not, it's not a bad thing in a sense because people, people are looking out for their own. Mm-hmm. Or they're, like they're they're covering themselves, and sometimes the best way to do that is that. And sometimes yeah. uh, pe- uh, problems arise, and people are just like, uh, whatever, I'll just leave it go. Yeah. It's no biggie. Yeah. And it's for- become it's become a norm though to sue somebody else here, especially with the healthcare. Oh, you didn't know this one single thing. Like I'm coming after you because they're like it's negligent. I think our our um, uh, litigation system is really well developed though. Like people are gonna be like, oh, hey, like. Yes, he didn't know that, but then again, there are these standards. He followed these standards. He did the right thing because there is a lot of doctors and a lot of medical professionals who do some malpractice or do some things that they shouldn't be doing. Um, like I think if you look at um, if you look at the system of way you do things, like like a chiropractor could be sued if they advertise physical therapy in the states as physical therapy and they're practicing as a chiropractor, they can get sued because they're not a physical therapist. So the way they have to change it though, is they have to advertise it as physical rehabilitation. Same thing as an athletic trainer. I can't promote, I'm doing physical therapy. I'm doing physical rehabilitation because so that's where I think the big issue is like people get upset with terminology rather than what are we actually doing? And that's getting the patient better. You know what I mean? The, the biggest issue with terminology I have is people thinking that I'm a, I'm a physio instead of an athletic therapist. That's yeah, the biggest yeah. Like if, if somebody, like I, I, don't, I don't have to worry about people suing me in the sense that I suppose I don't have a fear of problems going wrong or people, if there, and if a problem arises often, it's sort of like dealt with those two people then in the sense that like, okay, well, we can fix this then. Like if there's a problem, we can fix it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was something again when I was over in with you guys, kind of um, hearing some of the guys talk about it. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna sue that guy if he. I was there like, I was kind of almost laughing at it because I was like, ah, they're surely messing. You know, you're not gonna sue someone over that. Like that's that's mm-hmm. ridiculous. And they're like, oh no, we're gonna do it. And they're like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no, it's again, it's. Yeah, again, I think, I think bigger culture, bigger country, a lot more people to have those issues. People think everybody's out to get them. And it's like, I think you have those situations where you got some people doing some wrong things. Like we've had some, like we've had a couple of doctors in the area get arrested for uh, writing out opioid medications so people can get their high and sell it and make money off of it. Yeah, that's malpractice. That's not something. But then you have these lawsuits. Um, oh, how did you not catch this diagnosis? Or why didn't you, why did you do this and not this? And it's like everything's situational and sometimes it's a get a quick buck, but then also people think that everybody's out to get them too. So it's, it goes so many different ways. 
and I suppose that's like uh, it, it's it's very tough for you uh, because of that because I I kind of think it puts unnecessary stress on healthcare professionals because you shouldn't one of the your major worries about dealing with somebody shouldn't be that if this doesn't go well that they're going to come for you mm-hmm. it should be a case of damn it why didn't that work yeah you know yeah. I I've uh, I I and and not to say that everyone is driven that way and because most most people aren't that way it's it's more i think that people have dramatized the actual scale of the issue and i think it's because people talk about the numbers but when you have as many people living in a country as you do in america those numbers per capita aren't actually as crazy as they actually seem in a way but when you see them in the billions and stuff and you're like holy God, like, what are people doing over there? They must be, like, stabbing people during consultation sessions or something over there. I think, <laughs> um, like, I think, I think, I think when you actually kind of look at it, I think there's more, like, this idea that people are kind of out for other people, when realistically, that's not really the way it happens at all. It's, it's more like you kind of look at it, you have, you have to look at it in a bigger picture and realize, oh, it's not that crazy, really. And it's it's handled fairly normally, but yeah. it's it, it's just something that I think people talk about very yeah. very frequently, and it kind of puts the fear in people maybe a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and so I think sometimes that fear is good because you really drives people to think and not be irrational. But then again, I think the last thing I want to talk about is like it just business is driving healthcare right now. Healthcare is not driving healthcare, and I think as athletic trainers and athletic therapists. Um, we, I think we, the big things we talk about is like the autonomy. You got to understand your risks and your rewards and your limitations, but also how, how do we work together to improve the outcomes? And I think another big thing, so that's like the collaborative practice, but another big thing is uh, diversifying our experiences. Um, I mean, you've come to the States and you've learned a lot of great deals that have really helped. I think at least from talking to you like, and things I see you post on um, social media, um, that is, is really improving the outcomes. And again, health that at that point, healthcare is driving healthcare, not business is driving healthcare. Um, so getting that diverse experience, I know at least for me too, has helped because I see how you guys approach. I see how check approaches um, patient care. And it's really, for me, I get, I feel like I'm in the same boat as you. I feel like I'm stuck in the middle because I want to go this way because this is how we're going to get better. But then we have this other side culture that's not going to, that's really limiting that. And it's a big change that, it's going to happen, but again, diversifying your experience and understanding those things is going to help improve patient outcomes. Yeah, definitely, for sure. But I suppose, like you said earlier, change isn't always easy, but I think people kind of demand change, but only if it suits them. And yeah. and that seems kind of to be the way, especially among healthcare professionals. And you'd see that over here too, that like people will demand change, but only if it's not a hassle to them. And uh, and I suppose it's quite tough because you're trying to change like really nearly kind of like fundamental like situations and roles that people have done for decades now. Mm-hmm. And it's quite tough because you're, you're trying to, you're trying to change things all of a sudden and people are like, well, why would we change? This is the way things have always been. And yeah. I suppose it's, it, it is quite tough because you're having to look at it in a completely different way than you're trying to, Mm-hmm. look at it in a way that like I'm trying to be as best uh, a healthcare professional as I can possibly be but I'm also trying to improve the whole industry but 
the industry doesn't really want to budge. Yeah, because yeah, again, and and everything comes back down business. Uh, sometimes numbers. Not at the end of the day, you got to make the numbers work. Um, but I think as healthcare providers, it's our jobs to now make the numbers work. Um, but we need to make those numbers work for the outcomes um, and putting those together, um, moving from there. So yeah, I think it, it, it's a it's a tough one because that, then I suppose the problem is sort of like what who who, who do you have to approach or what organization or group of of businesses do you have to approach then for this to change because you'd have to approach hospitals you'd have to approach clinics approach insurers Mm -hmm. and i suppose you're trying to convince them then that look healthcare is more important than the number in your bank account but for a lot of these people that's that's heresy and and um it's it i think it'll be i think it, it is something that will change but mm-hmm. I think it, it's going to just take a long time. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I think the last thing I'll wrap up on that is that it changes inevitable kind of a big idea, but small change is how you infect big change. Um, I had a talk not too long ago with uh, the athletic trainer from my high school uh, where I graduated and she's come in and she's done a lot of good things. And the big thing that she came off, and again, I think it's really important to reinstate here, you have to start small. Uh, you start too big, everything collapses, and you've got to clean up before you can start again. You start small and make one change here, or make one change here, and then that just becomes uh, like a mitosis effect. Everything just continues to multiply, divide, and becomes what you want it to be. So it's an evolutionary thing that change is small and inevitable, and it's going to happen. It just has to start somewhere. And I think, Owen, I think you've done a really great job starting that change in Ireland of really you guys, that whole organization overseeing body, you guys have done a great job of um, highlighting what athletic trainers and therapists can bring to your culture. But I think, I think it's going to be a very contagious trend to, to um, not only in Ireland, but in Europe uh, and also here in the United States. I know I've learned a lot from you um, and a lot from things that you guys are sharing, a lot of ideas that I've had. Uh, so I appreciate you guys and your efforts of taking those steps forward to make those small changes in order to impact the over the healthcare field as a as a whole and improving outcomes that way. Ah, def- thanks, man. I definitely, yeah. I definitely, I definitely think I, I I kind of appreciate. I suppose I only am only in this position because of what I got to learn when I was over with you. Because obviously, it changed my entire outlook on how to approach healthcare as a whole, really. And I definitely think it's the exact same for you that the way that you're mm-hmm. that you're going about things is the small changes you're doing and showing the importance of ATs and their role in healthcare, it's definitely going to bring about massive changes in the future. Yeah, definitely. So with that, I just want to wrap up for everybody who's listening. Uh, The big things from here is that when your guys are out there, make sure if there's a change you see out there, start small, work your big, work big. Uh, Athletic trainers are here. They're here to begin to work autonomously. We're here for your outcomes and for those healthcare professionals out there, make sure you guys are going into first buying your experience uh owen and i both have been very fortunate to travel internationally and get some international experience um so if there's something out there reach out find yourself a new experience and um and learn something different so that you can better um the better the place that you're in and make a good purposeful impact um so with that owen thank you for joining us uh everybody who's listening make sure you give them a follow on uh, instagram twitter facebook owen feeney at it'll be in the links below 
uh, post some really great things about rehabilitation um, and some good movement patterns and a lot of just healthcare informatics. So uh, be on the lookout for some of the things he has coming up. And Owen, good luck to you with uh, the marathon and everything coming up for you, man. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Definitely, man. Thanks.